0: Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that on this beautiful summer day we can come apart from the world. We can move away from the distractions that bombard us and come into this comfortable, beautiful house of prayer with brethren and friends, Lord, to learn more about Thee, to worship Thee, to sing praises to Thee, to edify each other. Lord, speak to us. Teach us out of Thy Word. Help us, Lord to be better equipped, to go out into the world and to be lights for thee. The world is getting darker by the day, but yet we know that it is always the darkest before the dawn. And in the darkest of nights, the lights shine the brightest. So, Lord, speak to us in this day. Be with those who can't be with us. We're mindful of Sister Hilda. We're mindful of Aunt Laney. Others, Lord, that may escape me at this time, be with them. Bless them, Lord. Speak to them. Connect our spirits one with another through the power of thy Holy Spirit. And we will thank thee, Lord, for the answers to prayers we know we shall receive in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, I've had a series of experiences in the last week that have led me to... um, To share with you some thoughts from the scripture. I'm primarily going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 5. And I, so I went to, um, I went to a a dermatologist that I hadn't seen in I think 10 years. And it was interesting when he walked in, he kind of looked at me and and I said, we've met, and he says, I am Dr. Ramsey's fair. And I said, I said, we've met. He goes, you looked familiar. And I told him, I said, um, the first time I saw you was I, I developed a rash on the day of my daughter's wedding. And it stuck with me for seven years, off and on. So it had been however many years they have been married, minus seven, that's how many years. Anyways, um, and so we talked, and, and he remembered, I, I kind of helped him remember this, but my dad had gone there. My dad knew his dad. His dad's 94, can't see, can't hear. And I remember that my dad and his dad would have sometimes philosophical conversations about spiritual things. So I just started engaging him a little bit. And we talked about the fact that as we get older, especially when the body starts to break down, passing to the next life is actually a blessing. And he says, and if you don't have that hope, it's horrific, isn't it? And I said, yes. And he said, and then he came back, and he did some things with me, and came back, and he goes, we'll talk more next time when I see you. I said, great. Can't wait for that next time. It's going to be six weeks, but I can't wait to continue that conversation. Something else that struck me this week that I'm going to, I hope the Lord can put all of these things together, and again, I'm going to be in, in third John, First John chapter 5, going to read 11 verses together. I was having a coaching call. A young man, just been promoted to operations manager of an organization. And he's struggling to get his team on board. He's really struggling. And and, and he's a tactician. He knows exactly what has to happen. And I said to him, I said, you need to be an evangelist, not a theologian. And he's like, what do you mean? So I explained it, and then I... Dan Coons used to have this phrase, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. That was my acorn this week, was be an evangelist, not a theologian. So with those two thoughts, what's it like when we pass and be an evangelist, not a theologian? Let's read together from uh, 1 John, beginning with chapter five. Whosoever believeth, That Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the law of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh The world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth for there are 3 that beareth record in heaven the father the word and the holy ghost and these 3 are one and there are 3 that beareth witness in earth the spirit and the water and the blood and these 3 agree in one if we receive the sp- the witness of men the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God made, believeth God hath not made him a liar. Let me read that again. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I'm going to keep reading two more verses. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and they may believe on the name of the Son of God. Through verse 13. So, dear ones, if I, as I, and, and when I, I, I actually, um, during the week, I read the, the inside of the Bible class lessons, and I just got moving one day on, on the, the chapter that we read, and it was 58 verses, so I read it all because you can't stop. So I read through all of it, and so then I get to, okay, so now I've read my readings for the week. Oh, wait, there's one in Psalms. Read that, so now what do I do? And I, and I just opened my Bible, and it opened to 1 John 4, and I read 1 John 4, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and then I kept reading in 5, and, and as I read this, I started looking at these pa- these two pages here on in my Thompson. It's 1298 and 1299, and it's got, I, I, have, I used to have a system where I underlined certain things in red and I used pencil notes and these pages are marked up. And for me, that was so exciting to come back into it and start following these references that were here. And like, what did they, why did I say that? What was, what was I thinking in the moment when I went through this? So I'd like to go back through these first 13 verses and share with you the references that over, I think I got this Bible in 19, when did I get it? I wrote in the, the front the date. I also have to repair it. I bought some tape to repair it because it's fallen apart. I think it was 1993. It was. Summer of 1993 is when I got this particular Thompson Bible. The Apostle John was a theologian. He was not an evangelist. He was a theologian. If we look at the gospel according to John, written toward the end of the first century, it was the last book other than Revelations. It was the last of the four gospels. Other than the book of Revelation, the last writing that we have in Scripture, if I'm not mistaken, is the gospel of John, because I think he wrote it when he was in his 90s. And he wrote it to set in order all of the details of who Jesus was and why Jesus came, and to confirm for everyone that Jesus really existed. We read this epistle it 's he 's digging into more of these details he 's giving us specifics of not only who Jesus was but how we can know that we are in Christ Jesus and have eternal life, guaranteed. That should make us really excited. In a time when, there is, when the world is filled with half-truths, when the world is filled with outright lies, when they try to tell us that things that are absolute aren't, when we wonder what tomorrow will bring, this should give us so much excitement, so much energy, so much passion, because it's true, and he tells us how we can know it's true. Now, as I, as I kind of meditate on some of these verses, I want you to think back of preachers that you've heard in your life, within our circles, who are the theologians, and who are the evangelists, because they're clearly we're both. What comes to mind, and I wish, I wish I would have been much younger, born much earlier, that's a better way to put it. I wish I would have been born much earlier so that I could have fully appreciated Uncle Philip because I think he was a theologian. He understood Scripture incredibly well. Now, if I think of evangelists, well, my dad wasn't worked as an, preached as an evangelist for a while. The other evangelist that comes to mind to me is Uncle George. There's a reason why he was asked to preach almost every Friday night sermon for probably 30 plus years or 40 years at Eastern Camp. It was because he, he communicated with energy and with passion and with excitement. I mean, you, you, I'm sure if you had been at camp, when Uncle George preached the Friday nights, there are Friday nights that you remember. I'll never forget the Friday night at, at I think it might have been at Juniata, where he took us on a trip to hell. And he said, as you can see, it's getting warmer as we travel. I remember Massanetta Springs, Uncle George preaching a sermon about the number of the beast, 666. Those are just a couple that come to mind. So now let's dig into what this theologian John wrote. He said, Wherefore, um, wherefore believeth that Jesus is the Christ, whosoever, excuse me, believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him that also is begotten of him. So he's saying, if you love God, if you if you believe that God is who he says he is, you're gonna love the people that God loves. And he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Oh, we keep his commandments. Well, that sounds, that sounds somewhat difficult. Peter, one of my notes that I had here, Peter wrote, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart. Fervently. Hmm. That's 1 Peter 122. Then we get to verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. If I'm a child of God, the teachings of God, the commandments, and man, you, you use the word commandments, and the world is going to have an issue with that. Who's going to tell me what I can and can't do? Well, God, actually. He's not going to tell you what you can and can't do. He's going to tell you what you should do and what will happen if you don't do that. And we know that God's commandments, well, John said they're not grievous. And we know that God gave the commandments for our benefit, not his. If we obey the teachings of God, we have a much better life. If we disobey the teachings of God, we will certainly perish. There are entire civilizations that do not exist anymore because they didn't follow the teachings of God, yet there is still a true bloodline Jew today because many of those commandments were what preserved them from all kinds of evils and diseases and things that, that went through the world. So what were some references that I had for this one? Psalm 119.97, oh, 97, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. My chiropractor, I've shared this, praise scripture verses throughout the day. When he's discouraged, when he's down, he does it. Somebody said to me, someone very close to me, I won't say who that was, said, you know, I've been really negative lately. And she's right. I've been dwelling on the wrong things. Wake up. Smell the coffee. There's so much that we should be excited about, that we should be passionate about. Need to spend more time in the teachings. Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. If we truly hide the scriptures in our hearts, not only are they not grievous, they're life-giving, the commandments of God are life-giving, they energize us. And if we hide those in our hearts, we don't have to worry about falling prey to the temptations. Because to whatever you give energy, you give life. If you give energy to things of this world, it will get bigger and bigger and bigger in your mind. If you give energy to things of the kingdom, that will become bigger and bigger in your life. Then verse 4, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Think about that, dear ones. The world seems so imposing. The world is everywhere. It's in our face. The evils of the world, the sin that is in the world, it's in our face, nonstop. But then I had written in my margin here, Romans 6, beginning with verse 11. Let me turn to that. Verse 11 starts in Romans 6, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's interesting. It says, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. It doesn't say that it is going to naturally occur for the believer. The believer is given the tools, the power of the Spirit to be dead, to sin. And it tells us how. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Reigning means to control, to be in charge of. And we have to be careful that sin never takes control in our life again. Does that mean we're perfect? Sadly, no. We could be. The power of the Spirit is great enough for us to achieve that, but while we are in the flesh, we will always struggle with this. And so, as Brother Otto Fisher said, we have to starve our old nature. How do we do that? Hiding the Scriptures in our hearts. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And he uses the, so Paul uses the word yield. When I yield to something, I'm giving in to something. I'm allowing my body to be used for something. I'm allowing my life to be used for something. And he says, don't let your life be used to serve sin. Conversely, let it be used to serve God to serve righteousness. So again, it's an intentional thing that we're doing. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not, now listen to this verse, This this is such a great verse. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether unto sin, of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. I love the way Paul writes that. He's saying, Don't you realize that who you give control of your body and your life to, that's the person you're serving. That's the being you're serving. It's either going to be serving Satan or it's going to be serving God. There is no middle ground. The devil wants to convince us that there's a middle ground. That, well, you're not that bad. Really? If we are not in Christ Jesus, we are not saved. It's that simple. I heard a very interesting, I was, I was listening to uh, an audiobook. Um, and, and I won't mention, if somebody wants to know what the audiobook was, see me after. Um, It might have been a podcast about an audio. I think that's what it was. It was a podcast with an author of the book. And so I'll still tell you who it was if you ask me afterwards. But if we read in Romans chapter 1, we see the whole depraved existence of man. And it talks about, Because they would not retain God in their hearts, God gave them over to a reprobate mind that they might believe a lie and gets on to all of the the, the just sad state of man. But the person said, keep reading. Because if we read long enough, we find ourselves described in the same chapter in the chapter that follows. It's so easy for us to say, I'm not like them. I'm not like her. I'm not like him. I don't, I, we're not like that. We, I don't do that. Without the righteousness of the blood of Christ, we are all like them. There is no righteousness that comes from us. It all comes from him. It comes from his shed blood. And the life that we live in Christ, we live through the power of the Spirit granted to us, if we avail ourselves of the the mercies of God through the blood of Christ and his resurrection. And again, I'm going to read verse 16 again. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked... That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. And now verse 18, being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So when John is talking about the fact that this is how we are to live, Paul gives us the details in Romans 6, verses 11 through 18, of how we can accomplish that. And it really is to make sure that we are yielding our members, our bodies, as servants to righteousness and not servants to sin. So getting back to uh, now in, in, in John chapter 1. First John chapter 5. Now I'll pick up with verse 5. He who is that overcometh the world, he, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. But not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's our, one of our prime anchor verses for the fact that we believe God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And there are three that beareth witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive this, the witness of men, the witness of God is greater For this is the witness of God, which is he that testifieth of God. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he he believed not the record that God gave his Son. I want to focus just for a moment here on the beginning of, I'll call it verse 10a. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. How do we know? A good question. Well, Paul talked about it in Romans 8, beginning with verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Wow. So if we have the Holy Spirit within us, that Holy Spirit not only confirms to us, but confirms us back to God that we are children of God. So we can absolutely know, and I made, I made a couple notes in, in the bottom of, of, of this margin on this page, there's a, there's a phrase that the King James uses a lot called, is, it's believeth, believeth, believeth. Well, what does that mean? It means to adhere to, trust in, and rely on. So if you think, if you believe in something, you adhere to it, you trust in it, and you rely on it. That's what belief means. And then know, I thought this was interesting too, we recognize, we understand, and look at this this other meaning of that verse, settles with absolute knowledge. So when John says that we can know that we have eternal life, he's really saying that we can settle that forever. We, We can settle it absolutely with knowledge, with an awareness with the reality, the truth, in absolute words, not as the world would have it today. How can we know that? Because we have the spirit within us. How do we know we have the spirit within us? Well, my brother and my sister, you understood, you had that moment, that awakening, when you realized that greater was he that was in you than he that was in the world, because you were able to say no to sin. You were able to resist Satan. You realized that you had come to a point in your life when you were dead, to sin unto sin and alive unto Christ. We know it. That's exciting. That should be empowering to us. That should give us so much courage to go out and deal with this nonsense that's all around us. And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life and the life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. Is there any reason why we should be miserable and downtrodden and depressed? No. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We can know it. Not just hope in it. Know it. Now, will there be times when we will doubt? Absolutely. There will be. Satan will do whatever he can to cause us to doubt and to fear. But John also wrote that perfect love casteth out fear. I believe in chapter 4. So we need to go back. What, so if we, if we ask ourselves, what do we do with this? So, so what do I do when I'm down? What do I do when I'm negative? What do I do when I'm miserable, miserable? Go back. Go back to the Ebenezers that are in our life. Go back to the victories that we had with Jesus Christ. Go back to the trials that we went through. That we realize on the other side, we look back and there's one way we could have gotten there. And it was with him. It, and that's why I love the, the footprints poem there. You know, where the, where the writer of the poem says, you know, I went through my life and there were always two sets of footprints. And then I went through this very difficult time in my life and Jesus, you left me. And I'm paraphrasing now because I'm not a poet. And Jesus said, no, I didn't. I carried you. The footprints that you see are mine. Wow. What has he carried us through? As things get more and more complex, as things get more and more evil, as the world gets more and more dark, now's the time, dear ones, for us to be evangelists, not theologians. Theologians are great. I'm so thankful there are theologians. Theologians give the evangelists the tools, the data points, the knowledge to go out and bring forth the message. So as I was thinking about this thought about an evangelist, and, and, and those of you that kind of read my writing, you're going to see it in a couple weeks. Um, there's three things that are requirements of an evangelist. You need to have been changed. If you're going to be an evangelist for Christ, for the mission of the word, you need to have been changed. If you're not changed, you can't be an evangelist. You need to believe in the mission. Do I believe in the mission in Scripture? Do I believe in the mission of Jesus Christ? In the previous verse, John says, As he is, so are ye in the world. I think that's verse 17. It might be verse 18. It's verse 17. It's the end of verse 17. Are we? Do we believe it? And then the third requirement of an evangelist is you need to be excited to tell everyone about your vision and your mission. And if we are, we're an evangelist. So then I have a question for you. I actually have three questions for you. Have you been changed? Has the Spirit changed you? Is Christ alive in you? Do you believe in the mission of Christ? And the third question is, are you excited about it? May the Lord add his blessing to this word.